Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 16 Millimeter Film Crew Podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor for bonus content. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify at 16 Millimeter Film Crew Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 16 Millimeter Crew Podcast and on Instagram at 16 Millimeter Crew. So we have a lot to unpack this episode. First of all, happy International Women's Day when you're listening to this. Woo, got the pink on, you know. Gotta support the ladies. Um, all of our women viewers or listeners, we love you. Um, <laughs> right, let's jump right into it with I Care A Lot, starring Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is awesome. Yeah. Um, this is a movie that everyone has been talking about. So, Dale, what was your reaction to it? Man, it was like a lot of um, vitriol and anger in a way. Like watching this movie made me feel blessed that before my grandmother passed, she was living with family and not mm-hmm. with like random people. Cause, and then because you, you actually do hear stories of, nursing home abuse and stuff like that so this is i don't know how much of it is fictitious maybe the whole guardianship thing is but the whole russian mafia side maybe not too much um <laughs> but yeah it's a it is a really oddly written story some places mm-hmm. if you felt that way like it well i'll say the plot real quick it's yeah. a shady legal guardian yeah. lands in hot water when she tries to build a woman who has ties to a powerful gangster i've never heard the word milk before so i don't know what that means do they mean dupe milk you never heard of the phrase of milking somebody dry like taking all their stuff basically oh this is bilk bilk <laughs> b-i-l-k oh, wow. not milk oh <laughs> that's what i was like <laughs> okay mm. anyways um yeah you said it was oddly written um the third act the okay. ending. Mm-hmm. um spoiler warning if anybody's reached it re- hasn't watched the movie um she the way she kind of outsmarts this guy is like not something i expected because this is a guy who's outsmarted the cops for as long as he has he's given somebody a fake identity for as long as he has like what, 20 40 years oh, 20 to 40 years of um history and one little lady who hustles old people and the courts is, is what outsmarts him. All, his bodyguards and everything. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, this movie <laughs> is really um, something. Um, I feel like it starts off as one thing. Like, it just starts off as like this woman has benefited off of um, basically conservatorship, which if you know about the Britney Spears thing, it's like that's when someone takes ownership over your money and basically your life and is just holds on to that and you're not allowed to make any decisions concerning that. So she does that to older people who like don't have, who have been like lied or like falsely accused of having medical issues, even though they're not real. Um, and she takes advantage of them, takes their home, takes their money, takes their assets. 
and benefits, like build a business around it, basically. And I was like, okay, so this movie is about capitalism. Like it's about people climbing up the ladder, doing whatever they need to do in order to succeed in this awful system of America where you just have to work, work, work until like, I don't know, for some goal. Um, but then she gets involved with Peter Dinklage's character who's like in charge of like the Ross, the Russian mafia or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. they get into this whole situation of like, they just, they get into a whole bunch of stuff because she's holding his mom hostage at the nursing home. But it's like, at the end, it's like she becomes like a superhero or something, or it's like a super spy where she's like sneaking through people's like garages and yeah. it's like stealing their license plates number. It just like, where did she get that syringe from to even like, this, like incapacitate him? Where did she didn't have any of those resources in the beginning? So I'm wondering like how she turned into this person. Yeah. By act yeah. three. Like that didn't make any sense. Um, I'll just say that I didn't think that this movie knew what it was trying to do. I think it knew what it was trying to say, but I don't think it knew how to, it, I feel like it tried to be like three different movies in one. And then also I feel like it was terribly paced. This movie was way longer than it needed to be. I was an hour in like 30 minutes and I was like, this is where we should be wrapping things up. Why are we so, it didn't make any sense. Um, and I hate long movies, but long movies that are needlessly long, that's the thing I hate the most. So, I mean, Rosalind Pike really carried this movie on her back, honestly. But, like, Peter Dinklage was also amazing because he's an amazing actor. But she really carried this joint because if not for her, I don't think I would be talking about this movie, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, she's obviously, like, horrible, and but she's meant to be horrible. Like, that's her. If, like... It's weird seeing um, her career because I think the first movie I ever saw her in was like, I think, uh, I think Dying of the Day, a James Bond movie, and then mm-hmm. didn't, didn't see much, and then Girl Gone, and then this movie, which her character in this movie Gone is there. Gone Girl, I'm sorry, Gone Girl. Um, her character in this movie is very reminiscent of the role she played in that movie. Um, so it's kind of weird. Well, you know what? Not really. It's not. I understand now that a lot of actors will do their major, you know, blockbuster cash grab movies that kind of do end up playing the same character a lot. And then on the side, they'll do all the the film festival movies, you know, the small ones where they can actually flex their flex their acting chops. But the whole spy stuff in the third act made no sense. Like I can hand wave the syringe her getting it because you know she's connected with medical facilities. So syringe but her so, friend died no her friend didn't die the girlfriend didn't die no not her girlfriend her friend who was working oh i'm in my head i'm that thinking was like her, that was her connector that was i'm on my head i'm going because of how big this scam is i doubt it's just one doctor she oh so yeah, and she maybe. probably also is working with other nursing homes as well so um so they could have gave her you know uh i don't know whatever concoction it was that it needed and but I'm thinking like the girlfriend would have been the one to you know sneak into the house and do everything. Like the girlfriend is like shown in scenes being this like badass action chick. Like her former girlfriend's a cop. So you know she kind of has really who she plays in every single movie. Yeah. So you kinda figure <laughs> you kinda figure that the girlfriend, you know, her character has some skills because she takes down the first guy 
who tries to kidnap back the dude's grand- dude's mother. You know, she got, puts a bag over his head, takes him down, cuffs him. But okay, this girl got used. We'll, we'll see her skills. Doesn't happen. Like she's just there just to be the, you know, the lesbian love interest. You know, nothing more than that. Am I wrong for saying that? No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I don't. She didn't serve any real purpose. I think I thought that we we're going to use her more in like, a, like, like you were saying, like, because in the beginning, I think she does like the research and stuff. Like she figures out who to get. So, she, you know, the target for whoever they're going to pick. Yeah, she so, does all the like the private eye stuff, taking photos. Kind of was there and they like took some showers and she almost died. Like, I don't know. And she, yeah, she really didn't do much yeah. except for like be the support, which I'm okay with. Like, I don't think she needed to be anything more than that. <laughs> I know. I feel like I hope they didn't like throw that in there just to like queer bait. I hope that wasn't it because the relationship did seem like fine. Like it to me it was like a, a the only humanizing agent that was there for Marla's character. Other than that, like she's just a plainly awful, terrible. I can't wait till she's dead. Character. Yeah. But like the girlfriend at least gave her some like. Oh, okay, at least she like loves somebody yes. <laughs> outside of her, even though she did like didn't care about the fact that they beat the crap out of her girlfriend. She still went to work with Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Some some form of humanity. I don't know. Yeah. So but I don't know. I feel like this character is mm, I don't know. I don't I wanna say that the her and the Gone Girl character are sort of similar, but I don't think they are. I think that like or maybe mm, no, no, no. I don't think they are. I think that in Gone Girl, she's a sociopath because, like, that's how she was brought up. Like, she was brought up with, like, this amazing favor, and she was being, like, in a book and stuff, and people loved her, and she didn't do anything other than just exist, and all. she just got that attention. Yeah. And then yeah. when her husband cheats on her, she, like, freaks out. So, like, I kind of I kind of get that. They, there was more of a reason for her to be crazy versus this movie where she was just a mess because the system allows messes. I mean, I think we've seen it in our government. We've seen it all the time. Yes. Like the worse you are, the more successful you become for some reason because the system rewards bad behavior. So what, well, I don't think she was. They're both bad, but I was rooting for Amy. I was not rooting for this chick. I was waiting yeah. for her to die. Like, I was like, they better kill her. After after they put me through this, she better die. I'm 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 pulling for Peter Dinklage in the third act, and he continues to disappoint me. Um, right. So, but yeah, no. The um, with Gone Girl, I think it's I say similar. I mean, yeah, it's it's. I think it's the same archetype in a way. The way the very cold, like cut off, like cold cut off. Yeah, the Bob. Oh, when you geez. got a bob, just know that you're in for some trouble, boy. Like, <laughs> like it's game over for you. That whole manipulative, manipulative, oh, dang words. Manipulative. There we go. I, I was going to switch it to conniving. Easier okay. to say. I, but they both work. <laughs> they both work. <laughs> but that whole character type, how she's willing to do whatever necessary for her to come out on top kind of character type. You know, it's, it's her thing. You know, actors find you know, 
cat display that they enjoy playing. This seems like it's the cat she enjoys playing with these movies. So can't complain. If anyone watched Pride and Prejudice, you all know that she was in that, and she was so sweet in that. I don't know. I think she's good. I think she has a good range. Like she's done a couple of really good stuff. Some things that people might not have seen. I've and I don't, I'm not gonna say that I've seen all of them either, <laughs> but I do know she's done other really yeah. interesting stuff. So yeah. I think she likes to switch it up a bit and like just do things that are. That's what I'm saying. Like probably challenging. The, the bigger her. movies, you know, she probably sticks to us, and other like artsy, like Pride and Prejudice, she's gonna flex her acting chops. You know, so I think she did an amazing yeah. job. She's the only. Like I said, her acting for you to truly hate someone, like just gutterly, like wow, you are the worst person I've seen. Like that's talent <laughs> to make me hate you that much. Like, and I didn't even hate her that much because I was just like, you're about to die. Anyway, like if they like, I already know. I'm not even. Sure. You're in the movie. You're more waiting for when she dies or how she dies. Like, right. You know, That's it's I was waiting. Eventually, you just like, when is it gonna happen? Because the movie's now like an hour and thirty minutes in. <laughs> like, where is where is the payoff? God, it was a mess. Oh, they messed. They messed that. Oh, it was so awful. I was like, y'all are kidding me, right? But I I heard that there was a lot of controversy around this movie in terms of like people hating it so much. Because I guess they didn't get that she was supposed to be bad. I think so. They were waiting for her to like turn good or something, and it never happened. Well, the discourse I saw was people were like kind of upset with the payoff in a way. I mean, it's 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 a payoff I want, but it wasn't the the point to get there. Kind of took too long, and it didn't really. It was like, dang, what's that movie? Is it Oliver Stone, the W movie? Where the narrator is actually a dead soldier in a way. Maybe it. I don't know. But the fact that like the guy, the guy she, the guy she, you know, her the, the guy who he gets, she they argue in the courthouse in the beginning of the movie is the guy who kills her at the end. I mean, that's a good way. I to that was poetic. You book in the movie with the first conflict you see. I, I it works. I guess and. I guess the two-hour timeline makes sense because it is Netflix. People can pause and go away. You're kind of capped. Like if it was in the theater, you'd be, I'd be, dang, I'm stuck here. But at least in the back of my head, like I can pause it if I wanted to and go away. So I hated that. That was easily the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Because I was like, why are we seeing her do things that don't matter? Like her having to like dress up and become like a different person just to get into the garage beat up the guard the bodyguards i was like did we need to see her putting on a wig like why do we just waste a minute that, and seconds scene, for that? that scene like, angered me it really did i was like what like, are you gonna tell me that peter dinklage and his boys don't know how to handle this chick like none, they didn't none. know how to make sure she was dead like they didn't how did they go from being so smart to being so stupid like that like no one like he the security guard just goes hey his bodyguard goes go in the truck and he just goes in it doesn't look anywhere else he goes around the other side and he gets you know from the moment you hear a taser or something go off his gun should have already been drawn already dump off and i'm like no i gotta reach for it then he gets tased but okay whatever sure all right let's 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 you know give it our our review our rating what would you what would you give it um, it wasn't a complete waste of time. I think that they brought up some good points about capitalism 
and about white feminism, especially toxic. I'm a well, white feminism. Is yeah. But, um, I'm gonna give it like a seven out of ten. It was fine. Yeah, uh, I'll give it the same. Um, seven out of ten. You know the the horrors of capitalism have taken a certain, well, not even certain extremes. Capitalism period in a way. Um, the fact that it motivates people to cause harm to others, especially with you know the stories now of New York faking the numbers of nursing home debts mm-hmm. due to COVID, and the stories of nursing home abuse. This movie kind of it's within the very timely, very timely within those topics. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Rosami Pike, she did a wonderful job carrying this movie. I wish yeah. there was like just a little bit more. You know, Pierre Jinkley has tried um, to do what he could. Um, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a great. Wasn't was I mean I get seven out of ten. Oh, and this movie was so heavy handed. Like, there's no subtlety to it at all. Like, so if you if you wanted a little some engine no it's all gone um, that's how you everything that you need to know. i'm sorry no no disrespect to little people but if a little person punched me in the face i would just laugh i'm sorry no disrespect that scene that scene like he just cocks back we're gonna put that out <laughs> i'm sorry no that scene was like why no disrespect but why but i'm sorry i'm sorry that's how let's let's go on to He's the Let's go on to the the meat and potatoes. Very meaty, very potatoy. Oh god! Oh wow! So we're gonna talk about the Megan and Harry interview with Oprah. What were your thoughts as you were watching it? That's what I want to know first. I don't know what you. I don't want to know what you thought of it after. I want want to know what you thought of it as it was happening. Man, I was. I was. I mean, wasn't surprised by the way they treated her per se, but the lengths that they went to. Um, mm-hmm. like I think when Harry came on, there was a bigger shift. Like Megan was, and Megan talking about herself. Like you know how I love watching body language. Like I bring it up all the time. Like when Megan was talking, and when they're talking about her, there was certain like. She was con- she was trying to be more controlled with her mm. expressions and emotions, but once the st- topic flipped to her children, that's when you see all that emotion come out. And she, was, I think that's when started talking about her having suicide, but she's also pregnant. You know, those emotions started to be more expressive on her, like her hands and her face and stuff like that, and those pauses she would make. Um, Harry, my guy, like. Like when he said him and his his dad stopped taking his calls, I was legit mad. Like I literally like I told my dad like, yo, if you ever if I'm ever going to you in my time of need and you don't pick up, I'm fighting you. And I tweeted, I was like, yo, I'm weird. We are throwing hands. Like I don't care. Like because that's the that's like the first person you're supposed to go to. For- you know, and you're like, you know, his like hair. Like I looked like Harry died when um when Diana died. Harry was at twelve. Mm-hmm. So all you, all I've known is my father. Mm-hmm. You, you, no matter how like Diana and Harry's relationship ended, reality or whatever, doesn't really matter. I'm supposed to be able to at least come to you when like I'm at my limit, and you just like, yeah, I'm not gonna take your call. Nah, we scrap it, old man. We, we like, like, like that or that. You no, know, I feel bad mm-hmm. for them. Not, okay, I shouldn't say in a way. I do feel bad for them. Period. 
because no one should have to mm-hmm. deal with what they up with. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this was some. Ooh, I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen now, but <laughs> yikes! Like this was a lot. A lot. As I was watching it, I was like, I feel like they're gonna say the same thing that we, that they've been saying for the past year, and I was just like, I'm not. I wasn't a huge Megan fan. Not for no other reason other than I just felt like she was just a tad bit ingenuine. But other than that, like I had no issues with her. Yeah. So yeah. when they decided to dip, I was like, oh, I didn't know that you could do that. I was <laughs> genuinely confused. But now that I heard, like, after, like it was just bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Like things that I thought I, I read because I like follow the royals loosely. You know, I love the crown, love all that. Blah, blah, blah. So big Princess Diana fan. So I was like, oh, um, that didn't happen the way that they wrote it. And that didn't happen the way they did that they wrote it. And the thing is, is like tabloids be lying. So it's not like I was going to like wholeheartedly believe, but because there was no, um, there was no voice to op- like to the opposite that this didn't, wasn't real. I was just like, okay, well, I guess some of it must be true. Mm-hmm. So when she talked about like Prince um, Kate making her cry, I was like, wow, they reported that the complete opposite way. Like that was wild. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what would she have done to be so upset? Whatever. Anyways. I mean, we know. <laughs> we know what she would have done. Like, in this story, like, it's it was said a lot online. And it's I think as a Black people, we see it a lot more. Like, Megan, in speaking with Oprah, she purposely didn't call herself a Black woman, a brown woman. She, she made sure she stated she is biracial. She understood she's, like, biracial. Um, and she's aware that she is... She's passing. Like, if I didn't see her mom, I was like, right. oh, Megan Marvel's, she like, she's white or, you know, some kind of, maybe a little bit Hispanic. I wouldn't say, oh, her mom. I wouldn't have gone to the black route. And so that reveal, like, you understood why the press was so, oh, so much vitriol, vitriol came from the press. And it's not surprising because we saw that in the midst of Brexit, how the press and everybody in the interview was like, Oh, we got to get these immigrants out of here. Um, mm. And then also, when she went on further to elaborate on, they were concerned about how dark Archie would be when he is born. Like, Shawty is like, Megan's like half white. Har- like, and Harry's, Harry's a, a ginger. Like, ain't no way that baby coming out as dark as you and me. Like, ain't no way in hell right. that baby coming out dark. So, like, that is really like disrespectful. From that moment, it would that would have been. I would have, I would have like f it. I'm gonna expose this because this is you know ridiculous. That would have been the end end of it for me right there. I would have like put everybody. I would put and she she tried to not say any names, which I. She's trying to take the high road. That whole Michelle Obama when they go low, we go high, but that not me. That that not me. Yeah, I would have been like, yes, it was this person, and it was that person over there in that department. Yeah. <laughs> I would have called everybody up. No, but like, okay, first of all, before I watched this, I was like, I don't really understand how you can come into that environment and not really know anything because I don't know, it's been reported about, it's been written about, like, you could have done maybe like a couple of searches on Google and found out 
how the royal family is. And so when I when they did this interview, I was like, I don't know, understand what she was expecting to happen when she married this dude. Because like, I know how they are and I'm not anywhere close to that environment. And but then at the very beginning, she says, yeah, I didn't do any research. I just like I just he just told me everything that I felt like I needed to know. And then I married him. And I was like, oh, girl, that might have been a little bit of a mistake because it's not like me getting married to some random dude all down the road. This is like the royal family. It's a family business, which means that it's going to be even more complicated because you're working with your relatives. So I don't know. I just would have done some research. I would have taken some time. But it doesn't matter because it, it's happened already. They're married. They have kids, like whatever. But I'm just saying like that, didn't, that part didn't make sense to me until she said that she really didn't do anything. I was like, OK, well, now I understand why you were so shocked when you came into this, into this environment and everybody was like. I don't know, but the also, but the other thing is like about the baby being dark skin. I was like, do y'all not see this girl? This girl not even wholly black. So what are you tripping for? Like I just can't, I can't comprehend how. And this is not just with her. It's it's actually with a lot of mixed race women who get into interracial relationships where people just like they treat them so badly as if they were fully African-American or completely black. Yeah. Like they don't see the half part. Like they don't, they purposely ignore the fact that they are half white and they just go straight to the you're black. And that's all that matters. Like Megan is a white passing Irish white, woman. white passing. But like, and like you said, I said, y'all have some nerve coming to me with that mess. Oh, they would have heard my mouth. <laughs> Uh, really like and the thing is it's not even like she's like Tien Tamara who you you would have to look up that they're biracial like like she does not ask for like black like them like Barack Obama Barack Obama and um Tien Tamara like you would like oh they black looking at them or you're not gonna think of that you're not gonna think that about Derek Jr you're not gonna think that about Mariah Carey until they tell you like, oh no I'm half right. oh okay never mind mm-hmm. so yeah, the fact that that was yeah. even conversations made no sense to me because I was like, y'all are dumb if y'all think that. Like you're really stupid. Yeah. Like, and then also, why does it matter? Because you already know that she's half black. Yeah. Like y'all already pretended like y'all were cool with this union, so who you had to know they were gonna have kids. Like, come on now. Like I just, I just feel like at a certain point, what I think it actually is is he and Harry kind of mentioned it when he talked about. After their Australian tour, things changed because people were starting to get jealous that the mm-hmm. fact that Megan was doing so well. I think it's that. I feel like they saw that she was such a shining star and people really liked her and she was everywhere. She was so natural and like not a part of their whole stuffy enterprise. And they got upset. And then they didn't stop the false accusations and stuff when it was coming out because they were like, well, if she's going down, that means more shine for me. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to do this this triflingness about the baby. But the thing that was crazy to me was about her saying she she was on the verge of suicide and she asked them for help and they said no. Yeah. From my understanding of how this worked, um, you don't really, I don't know if you actually go to people who work within that royal house to get that kind of help because Prince Harry has gotten therapy. Um, Prince Charles has gotten therapy. Diana's gotten therapy. So it's not unheard of to get 
a counselor. Usually it's from, they usually, they get like a private, like a private um, therapist to come and talk to them. And yeah. So yeah. the idea that she not only was denied that help, but also couldn't go anywhere else for it. Does it, I don't understand that part at all. Like I need some clarity on that. Does that, I mean, makes actually, that actually makes no sense. It's, it's one of those things. It's one of those, like being a prisoner in your own house kind of way. Like, it was it's one of those like you're one of us, but you're not one of us. You have all the celebrity and fame, but we're not gonna treat you the same way kind of thing. Um, and she mentioned like she literally went to Buckingham Palace HR because you know, acting, she has a union. If she needs help, she goes to the union. And the HR person, like, I would love to help you, but I can't because you're not a paid employee of the palace. You're a member of the royal family. So I can't really help you. And it's weird, like, people who are helping her shouldn't be the ones she gets sympathy from, you know? Because you kind of think there's the whole, the whole class station schism, you would think, but mm. they were like, I want to help you, but I can't help you, kind of thing. So. Yeah, I don't. And that, that, that still makes no sense to me. I'm still trying to figure that out. Cause I'm like, you can get a therapist. Like, you don't need their permission to do that. Well, they don't want any, they don't want their business getting out there. That's clearly obvious. They only want the. But that's my thing. It's like, you don't even, you don't even need to announce it or even have to. She said she wanted to go somewhere. That was, I guess that, that was the difference. Yeah. It's not like she wanted a therapist. She wanted to go to it, like to a retreat or something, some type of treatment. Yeah. So maybe that's different. Cause then, yeah, you would have to like report that. Maybe. I don't, I'm not really sure how. Well, it goes back to but, like, my thing is, I kind of do understand why she might not have done her due diligence and research in a way, because at the time they met, she was developing her Hollywood career. She was making Marco star of Stars of Suits, popular show, and I guess the understanding, like I'm in Hollywood, I know how that celebrity mindset works. I'm going to make an approximation of that's how the royal family is treated in a way. And also at the time, I guess her reasoning is, oh, your brother has like three kids. You're not in line for the throne. So there shouldn't be any, you know, a lot of responsibility placed on us per se. Cause you don't see any other members of the royal family do at all outside of Queen, um, Charles. And sometimes Harry would make appearances and William. And that was it. Like you wouldn't think there'd be these responsibilities from people who don't really work for a living, but just do charities, you know? Well, I guess if you don't know how it works, then you could think that. But again, like I'm saying, I know, I knew that. And I am have nothing to do with this, with this world. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like if it was me, <laughs> okay, let me just put, if it was me. Yeah. I'm yeah. not marrying someone who is, in a prominent position like that, because it's not like Harry was just some like random dude. Like, no, he was a very prominent member of them. Like he was still, he was doing a lot of work before he met her. And he's also Diana's kid. So everybody knows who he is and they care about him, all that other stuff. So if I was her, I would have just figured, I would have just done some more research about the family because I'm marrying not only him, but all the, all of the rest of them. And I have to work, with all of the rest of them. So I need to know what I'm getting myself into. But I feel like that's with any marriage, right? You, you gotta do, 
your due diligence and figure out what the heck is going on here. We got to be meeting. We got to be chatting. Like, like I should have already been in these places having these conversations with these people Look. because I'm getting married. It's not like I'm dating you anymore. We're getting married. This is a lifetime commitment, which means that I need to know what's going on in your home. And then I also need to know how to prepare myself for my role because there isn't really like a, no one's going to tell you what to do over there. You have to, you have to carve that out for yourself. But the fact that my homegirl didn't even know she had to curtsy to my, my good old queen, like, I mean, private, I was like, she said they did didn't that? teach her any royal etiquette. They uh, locked her out of all that. So, but my thing is, I kind of understand that. I don't know. Not I would have just done my research. That's all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, be honest. Do, do, okay, not every family gets along with everybody in their family, but there comes a point where. And that's another thing. But there comes a point where, like, okay. They're yeah. a regular family, all dysfunctional, just like the rest of our yeah. family. So I'm guessing, like, even, even though they don't like me, you know, they'll, they'll, whatever, they'll tolerate me, let me do what I want to do for the sake of Harry. But that continue to be quite the opposite um because she even said like they pulled her security they pulled archie security they even were gonna pull harry security and they're like, you know if you don't care about me whatever you don't care about me care about don't care about my kid at least care about your grandson who you're gonna pull security just because with like that some kind of those negroes are ruthless. yeah and if if you know diana's story you kind of know you kind of could have predicted this would happen after they decided to take a step back. Because once Diana gave that interview and her and Charles got divorced, she was completely isolated. I mean, she was isolated before then, but they really cut her off and they didn't care what happened to her either. Like they were just, they were just like, you're on your own now, sis. And that was like reflected in how, after how, when she died, how that whole thing was handled. They didn't even think to like do anything about it. They were like, it's not our responsibility anymore. She's not a part of our family. And I feel like as soon as Harry made that decision for his family to protect them, they were like, you're on your own. And that's a really scary place to be because you grew up around these people. So you would think that they would care just a little bit to protect you and your family at the very least. At the very least, yeah. But they didn't care. And um, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> but my, I guess, I don't know. I think... And Oprah brought it up, like, like they probably noticed reflections of Diana and her. And mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things where they're, you, you can't outshine the sun, in a way. Like, the queen is up there, you, you, can't, you can't be bigger than the queen. And with people like, in, I think there's a difference, like, Diana was naturally a people person. But with Megan, Hollywood background acting, she understands that charisma is what sells like think about all our famous leaders in the world no matter who good or bad the, the unifying bond between charismatic whether you're mm-hmm. as bad to say it Adolf Hitler or Barack they were charismatic they were mag- they were magnetic mm-hmm. people so mm-hmm. and I guess seeing that how naturally it came to her they were concerned as a repeat of Diana because even after Diana left the royal family People were still clamoring after Diana, like yeah, like they didn't like go away after all, right? So, and I guess they were concerned with it, and it's like obviously it still is now because the British press is still reporting about stuff about her, even though she doesn't live there. They're like gone from Canada yeah. to Cali, um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think it's like I, you just don't outside the sun. So 
being his son. Yeah. That was, but that's also something that you can't really help. Like, if that's just who you are, then what am I supposed to do? And they were saying that, that she needs to be 50% less of who she was. Yeah. Because I guess the whole idea, like, if you watch The Crown, you know what I'm talking about? No. I guess the I whole might, idea is. I, I might need to start now. I think you. It gives you a really good. It gives people who don't know that world really good context of what it is. Um, they they're very accurate, most for the most part, on ref, replicating kind of how the royal family works. So you can probably get it from that. I think, but their their whole the whole monarchy is really set up for the queen. Like it's supposed to everyone who works as senior royals are there to support the queen. Yeah. And if you marry into their family, you're not supposed to be sticking out like that. It's not about you. It's about the firm or whatever. It's about the monarchy. It's about the queen. So you're actually supposed to just come in, do your bit and not really be that much of a distraction. So Kate Middleton, for example, I think she's great, but like, she don't really do anything. Like she's not like this shining star that we all can't stop ogling over. Like she's she's a wife and she's a mother. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's what she's doing. Camilla, who married Charles, is the same way. It's like they're not really they're there to support their husbands, have the children, and not really be that big of a deal. So when you have Megan's and Diana's running into the house, it's like, oh, we don't know what to do with you because you're just too much. And you're pulling focus from who needs from who the focus is supposed to be on. Yeah. And they're all about protocols and rules and stuff. So like, I don't know. I don't think you can look at the royal family and be like, you know, that's the place I want to be. Like, no, like that joint seems hella restrictive. And I know that it is like for everyone. And that's what Harry was saying. Even though I don't know if Prince Charles or Prince William feel like they're trapped. I don't think that they do, but it's a, it's a very, it's a gilded cage. Like, you don't get to just do whatever you want. Harry is not in line for the throne, so he doesn't have that responsibility yeah. Yeah. that William does. And what? William has to kind of do stuff because it's his birthright. It's his, yeah. it's his role. Harry can kind of go off and do whatever he wants, which he has been doing Plenty for years. Plenty of times. He like, I don't want to be in Britain, so I'm joining the military. Or going to Vegas yeah. and having your party pictures leak and, and you know doing that whole mess. Yeah. But and I'm like, that's and he's right though. He's like that they keep saying that that's how it's always been. Isn't a good reason to continue to be that way. No. But I also don't think that you can just show up there and be like, all right, so we're changing things around. Like, who are you? Like, we don't know who you are. You just got here. And I and I, you're not gonna change it. This institution doesn't change. Like, it really doesn't. I think people are starting to understand that. And I, I kind of want to sympathize with Harry in a way, because we do know at one point, if people aren't aware, he did, like, what would have cost him part and kind of wore a Nazi swastika on a shirt. And it goes back yes. to that, that gilded cage kind of thing of I can do what I want because of who I am. And, mm-hmm. and I guess that moment being in trouble because. I feel like that's a big red line. He didn't think he was going to get in trouble for crossing it as much as he did. And I kind of think when he was talking about how he took the time to learn about, you know, all that racial issue, racial issues, you know, when he mentioned Oprah, um, I think that was the moment he was like, Oh, I, I fucked up, fucked up. 
So I'm not giving him a penance for, oh, you wore Nazi. Like any five-year-old knows not to wear Nazi paraphernalia. But I do think that was a moment where he said, all right, I'm going to, you know, correct. And like my behavior and my learning is going to be different. And I think he had the assumption because he decided to make that change, he assumed his family would go along that route or the people who are involved with the Royals, as you said, because it's not the, it's everybody's there for the service of the queen. So I might be Prince Charles telling my mother something, but there's another person in her ear telling her something as well, you know? So, and the powers that be might not have liked, the family might have liked, there might've been some issues between her and Kate, or maybe, I don't know, I'm not there, but the powers that be outside of the actual blood bond in that house might have not likened her because they kind of saw, like we said, that Diana blow kind of repeating once again. Yeah. And they're not like a normal family. Like you actually have to like have a schedule set up. Like you have to make an appointment to see these people. Like you can't just show up in their office and be like, hey, let's hang out. Let's have lunch. Like it's not that type of gym. There is one thing that I do. I, I, I like the fact that she exposed it. She exposed, like, they both explained the the dual parasitic nature of the royal family and the press, mm-hmm. how they want the press to give them good stories and stuff, but they're also willing to put up with the press, like, have sponsored their banquets and gala and invite the press there. Basically, if I give you access, you write good stories about me. If I don't give you access, you write negative stories about me. And I guess that's where the stuff with Megan came from. Megan didn't give them access because, you know, as a celebrity living in Hollywood, you know, you're used mm-hmm. to press being parasites. So you kind of don't do that kind of thing. And, you know, British people kind of took it as that's not tradition. So now you're public enemy number one in my eyes. So I'm happy she, she explained yeah. that to me. Yeah, because I don't think many people knew about that. It's like when people don't know about like the inner workings of like how Hollywood works or how the music industry works. Like it's it's about business. It's not really about entertainment. That's that's so, literally, literally the first thing that came to my mind. It reminded me of payola. Yeah. And like in the music industry, payola is basically you're paying radio stations directly to play your artist stuff. That's what literally what it mm-hmm. that whole situation reminded me. Right. And and I think and it's interesting because Megan is not like a A-list or she wasn't an A-list star when she was here. She was like an actor that people knew, but she was rising. I was like, I would have, I think that if she was like, a, I don't know, I can't think of any bigger actors right now or something, maybe like an Angelina Jolie or someone like who really knew like the inside of the business and knows that PR is kind of your lifeline, even as a, not not really now, but before where it's, you know, before Twitter and everything, where you can actually like write, you know, articulate your own narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah. You relied on the press to get messages out. You relied on the press to sell movies, merchandise, whatever. Like that was your outlet. So it's the same thing with the royal family. It's like people are are starting to question like, why are y'all still even here? And they have to justify it some way. And the way that they've justified it is being like, okay, well, we'll be out in public. We'll do good works. We'll wear nice clothes, whatever. Like, we'll be figureheads or whatever. And I think that, um, 
I think that it's interesting that they mentioned it because it's like, yeah, that's how that's usually how these things work, where you don't exist unless people are writing about you. You don't exist unless people are taking photos of you. Like, yeah, if you're going to be in the public spending public money, we need to see who you are and what you're doing. Because, you know, the British people, they fund their royal family. Yeah. Their taxes. Yeah. So <laughs> there needs to be a trade off in that way. But I think that I was thinking before this interview, like, I feel like Megan and Harry should have played the game because then that way things may, may have not been as bad. But I don't think it mattered at that point if they no. played her or not. I don't I think, think they just, the British press just was against her for a whole bunch of racist reasons. Yeah. And I think that the fact that they didn't get the support from the family, which I don't know why they, all of them just decided to like not do anything, which is stupid because they've all been through the whole Diana situation. So they should have at least learned that lesson. Um, I think for them to just not give any support, they might've still been in, they might've still been in their roles right now. Yeah. If they had that back. I, I, I think it's a dual, a dual fear of, Okay, look, let's be honest. Every, if you look at every single monument, like, of course, the royal family of Great Britain or the United Kingdom is the most famous monarchy in the world. But if you look at every single European monarchy, everybody's cousins, like, everybody's cousins. Yeah. And I think their fear was the ruining that bloodline in a way. Um, because, yeah, they did research and they found out, oh, her ancestry goes all the way back to a member in the blood war. Blood. If you go back far enough, anybody else does. Like, I think mine goes back. If you go far enough back in research, I'm family somehow. Like, if you, like, I think anybody can do the research and you're going to be connected to the royal family somehow if you're connected to colonialism and slavery. Okay. So, like, and I think the fear of that was the tainting of the bloodline and her being an American. The Americanification, in a way, of you know their lifestyle, they were really fearful of that. To a degree, I mean, there are no excuses whether she's American or whether because she has a black blood. Right, right. There, there are zero whether she's charismatic. There are no excuses for that kind of right. behavior on any level. Yeah, I guess that's the the main point. It's like no matter what reasons they had there was no reason to treat them inhumanely and to not support them it it, she really is like probably the best asset they had really so for so for them to just not do nothing is stupid it's it's (laughs) not only is it stupid but it's not proactive it's not helpful it's you're damaging yourself actually because you you lost someone who was really gonna who was really gonna help modern was gonna help bring a modern aspect to to the royal family to keep them somewhat relevant. I mean, so someone they really uh, they fumbled the bag. They did. Someone explained it as though um, the monarch monarchy has benefited from honestly white privilege and racism for decades. And an sure. idea of imperialism. So there is no way they're going to let this little mixed race American come in and modernize them, which in our heads, we're thinking, oh, why wouldn't they want a young, 
fresh face view, especially with the way the world is changing. You know, we're we're innovation. It can't like all those things, like you could say, um, Megan would embody, and they refuse to do that. Like, let's just be honest: old people don't like change. People who like think about it in church, like the fight to bring drums into church. That's an argument. The fight to even sing. I remember growing up, the fight to sing Kurt Franklin. That was a fight. Like old people just don't like their change. So there was no way you're going to fix a a thousand year old institution that benefited from racism, slavery, colonialism, you know, white supremacy. There is no way you're going to change that family, no matter how hard you try. Right. And. um, I. I don't know. I just feel like that was like the worst environment to put that girl. That was the worst environment to put her in. It was was self-inflicted, but um, things shouldn't have gone the way they did. Yeah. But even in her her personality, her personality doesn't seem like it. Because that's when she was, when they did their first interview together, I was like, I don't think that this is a place that you should be because you just seem like you're not going to thrive in this place soft-spoken you seem way too yeah you seem like you're too current you're too with the times you're too i'm gonna do what i want um and that's a that's a bad thing but just like i have i'm a grown woman so i got in my own way of doing things like i'm not about to just shift my whole personality for y'all so when they so when she was there i was like what (laughs) that don't make no sense but um, I think Oprah did a good job. She asked the hard questions, which was good, even though that she's their friend. I'm glad that she asked her tough questions because there were things that people need to know. Um, she was doing a lot, though. She was an emphasis on things that didn't need emphasizing. Like, I mean, she's trying to pull. Like, what do you mean that you were trapped? And I'm like, girl, you act like you never interviewed a member of the royal house before. You interviewed Fergie. Like, you know that. This is a like it's not a fairy tale. You obviously know that Oprah. Like you don't gotta. I mean, I we're, think not, we're not. She's trying to pull more out from him and to explain his experiences. Because like to me and you, to be uh, the idea of us like in our heads being a member of the royal family, we're like, oh hell yeah, I'm down for like. So to interview, say, oh, I felt trapped from the outside. Like, oh, you have you're traveling around the world. You're eating. You're hanging out with the most famous people. You're you know you're doing all these things that I can't fathom. How are you trapped? Like, explain to me how your Stockholm syndrome works. That's basically how she described the question. Um, Right. And it's like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I, I do sympathize with them a whole bunch. I feel like they should have never gone through that at all. But I also, not but, but in addition to, I would just have, thought that she would have had some type of wherewithal real understanding about what she was getting herself into just because I feel like such a serious thing like you have really no privacy anymore she was talking about that she had to turn over her passport and her license and her keys like that's an environment you gotta do some research before you enter it because yeah or just give it time because I feel like the other women who married into the family like Kate and other people like they were with these boys for years 
Like they weren't just rolling up to the house and being like, all right, I'm ready to walk down the aisle. Like, and but that's the thing. Like it took years to it's not just that. Which is smart because it's like this is too big. It's too deep. They were also already around the royal family for almost their whole lives. They knew how the institution itself was. But that's worked. not true. Kate Middleton wasn't. But she has status already. She was already like a British so she was in those circles already. She was in the upper class, yeah. but upper class and aristocracy and royalty aren't the same thing. But you do okay, I think we over like your connections, your there are more opportunities for her to interact with Harry and those people when they're going to events. Not Harry, but William going to events. So the the adjustment isn't that extreme because she's already like, okay, I've known these people for like twenty years or whatever, X amount of years. Was it probably I think they're I think it would still be hard either way because Diana was saying the same thing. Diana was Diana is a part of the aristocracy. But was. Diana was is so, also a different so personality. What I'm saying is that she also grew up like going to the queen's house like every Christmas and stuff. Like she was very connected with that family. Yeah. And she did very well when she first got there. However, I think what what the royal family and what the royal, the establishment don't understand is that like you can't just like put people here and then not tell them anything. That's the mistake they continue to make over and over again. Like even the Prince, Prince Philip who's married to the queen it's like he was also royalty but he didn't know what to do when he got there because no one said anything and my thing is like how are you going to have people into your family and then not give them basically instructions on how to do the job you know, that doesn't make any sense and, and it's not, my but, thing is not just that my thing is there are so many other secrets and issues with the royal family that having a mixed race person shouldn't be that big deal. But let's be honest, everybody's er, there's connections between Prince Andrew with uh with Epstein and pedophilia and stuff like that. You know, and the royal family seems like don't want to talk about that. You know, so that and then you got Prince Prince what Prince Philip? You said or oh, well, he, I don't know why he's a prince. His wife's queen should be king, but whatever. Whatever, like that man is every day is dying, and then somehow is resurrected the next day. He's he's like every time I have you ever watched Tales of the Crypt? No. Google him. You know, maybe I'll put it up with edit. Every time I see that man, I always think of the guy from Tales of the Crypt. Because how is he still here and not dead? Like, oh, I'll give you a second. Look, look up Tales of the Crypt. He refuses to die. I'm refuses like, refuses to die. I don't know what you into these people to look, make them live until 90. The man is driving at like 100 years old and getting in car accidents. Like, what are you doing? That's not a good idea. What are you doing? Like, but the way that they handle the way that they handle Prince Andrew's situation, I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I think they're better off. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not even how they handled it. Because I mean, Charles cut that boy off. He said, you're not allowed to do anything. But the fact that they all knew that he was friends with Epstein, who was a known pedophile, he had already been convicted for that crime, and who was running a sex um sex ring, a sex ring, yes. and um he was trafficking, he was trafficking young girls. So I'm like, why did y'all already know he was friends with him, and then let him continue to be out? It's the same thing with like the Woody Allen thing. It's like y'all already know what's going on, and you're choosing not to do anything about. It. Yeah, that's disgusting. 
I think the royal family so, thought they could just sleep it under the rug and nobody would care. Nope. Yeah, not not in today's age. Nope. We calling everybody out and everybody's getting exposed. Somebody nope. on Twitter said they're using ninety a 90s style playbook with uh uh what the two thousand and twenty style people. And you can't you can't You're you, mean. I didn't say that. Oh, you looking for the tales of the crypt? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? That's so weird. Like he, he looks, doesn't have long hair. He looks like Nosferatu. Like <laughs> so. But hello. No, um, no, um. No, I'm saying like like somebody said they're using a a, a 90s style playbook against uh 2020 style personality. It doesn't float the same way. Like you can't like they were able to censor Diana to a degree because they controlled the press, but y'all can't silence mass people on social media speaking their mind. Like there's no way the information is always going to be out there. Like I wanted to watch. Like okay, so I remember I remember Diana's death. I remember like mm-hmm. like news coming on in Paris. Like they said, paparazzi chaser, they crashed, but somehow the other car wasn't there. Whatever. Like, and I always wanted to watch the Martin Bashir interview. That's so why I said, okay, after this, I'm going I'm to look for it. Like, stuff like that. You, I can only find like bits and pieces, like a 10 minute segment here, a 10 minute segment there. I got to Google somewhere else on like a different, you know, website to find part two, to find part three. And like, nothing is there. And like, in the irony of, this interview was they were still they were trying to investigate Martin Bashir for a potentially like coercing Diana into making that interview in 2000 like not 2000 in 1995 so they were still like something there with the royal family like look this we don't know not so yeah it doesn't make any yeah I don't know it's just they're a mess, a mess, and they've always been a mess, and they're never gonna not gonna be a mess. I think the only person who come, came out of this well was the queen. She was about it. Like everybody else, just came off as messes. And I'm really waiting for their statement. I'm waiting for what they're about to say because cannot respond. They it's just too. They try. It's too explosive try. for them to not have a response. I don't know what they're gonna say. But we're, I'm waiting for it. Well, like, before the interview, the day, day of the interview, they like the royal family or the queen announced, made a um appearance in a speech talking about unity, all that crap. But I don't know how oh, it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I don't know. I I do know it was. Did you? Were you? You were watching as it happened, right? Yeah. The weirdest thing in watching that is noticing. Um. British press twist Harry and Meghan's words in live in live time like we're like I'm like bruh like we we were you're twisting his words literally as everybody's watching it like I think they had said oh he wouldn't have left the royal family if not for Meghan because he felt trapped and everybody was like that's not what he said that's, that's not what he said at all like mm. you're like already twisting his words in live action and everybody was like yeah we know why he left now like because we actually see it like yeah 
And I think the British press, I've been watching interviews with them all day because I wanted to know what their reaction was over there in Britain. And the British press is like so pissed off that they called them out and that they won the case that they won earlier this year against one of the papers. They're all mad because someone didn't back down and actually fought them on it. And I'm like, if y'all would stop just being so greedy for stories, because I don't, there's no part of me that thinks that any of these publications give a damn about any of these people. They're just trying to make money and that they are big money sellers. So they did whatever they had to do to make that, to make that bank. Yeah. And now that you're getting a taste of your own medicine, like him mad that like game recognizes game and no. just call it a day. No. Like stop being mad. It's over. Well, I do, I do, you know, as we like, you know, wrap up this segment, I do want to shout out, you know, as much as we give him grief as a, you know, a creative, shouts out to Tyler Perry, you know, he, you know, helped them out, providing them a house for X amount of months and security. Like, we give him crap because as a creative, he's not that innovative. Like, he, He's content with staying in his box and not flexing and not flexing. But when black people or I shouldn't say this black people, but people of color need him, he he does show up. Like he was taking care of Cicely Tyson before he she passed. He was the first one to pay um Taraji what she was owed. He's named all the studio the lots on the studios of after other black celebrities. This past Thanksgiving and Christmas, he was giving out stuff in the community, on his studio, like, people came and got stuff, so. As much as I don't like his stick as a creative, I do respect him as a person. I know. Yeah, he did the, he did the honorable thing. Um, yeah, I, I, people are wondering, like, why they did this now. I feel like it's pretty obvious they needed to really say what, what had happened, so people can stop having this perception of them and being, like, entitled and horrible like they actually had valid valid reasons for leaving everyone's reaction was a lot way more extreme than it needed to be no doubt and i'm just glad that they got peace now they about to have another baby like they're gonna be okay they're gonna be fine but i don't know about the royal family i think i think their time is kind of i don't know that's my prediction (laughs) but their time and Shouts out to the Bahamas. They're the first ones, not the first country in the Commonwealth not to acknowledge the Queen as a head of state anymore after this. So hopefully Jamaica follows suit, but you know. We don't know. I'm not gonna touch that in Jamaican. I don't uh, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. So that's that on that. Let us know what you guys think. And moving quickly and swiftly on to <laughs> the Critics' Choice Award. I forgot that that joint was even yesterday because a lot of stuff. Of all the stuff. <laughs> a lot of but stuff. let's just talk about a few of the key people who have won the Critics' Choice Awards that um, were a little bit different than the Golden Globes. More categories, yeah. Yeah, um, my boy Daniel won again because Daniel's a winner and he's going to grab that Oscar. Y'all can stay mad, like <laughs> for uh, best supporting actor. You're probably actor. not mad. You're probably. Oh, I'm happy. I I'm like, extremely happy I do respect, though, for the Critics' Choice Awards. They don't 
they don't sort the actors by genre. Mm-hmm. As Maria won for best supporting actress. Oh, um, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, but they still have a comedy section. They have a, a comedy, comedy section, but they also also offer. Doesn't make any sense. They also offer best actor or actress in a drama series, but all other categories are kind of open ended. Which, like, I'm I'm more sympathetic. I'm more okay with it than you know, than the Golden Globe. Okay, so most of this is kind of the same. Michael One K. special, Michael um, huh? Michael K won for best supporting actor in a drama series. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one notable actor was Alan Kim, who played Jake, Jacob's son yeah. in Minari. And he was so wonderful. He was really wonderful in the movie, but I'm really happy because. He started crying. It was so cute. Like, he was like a little, a little ball of energy, thing. and then he started crying, which is like, oh, so cute. That's so sweet. He's like eight or something. He's yeah. like the cutest. Um, let's see what else was different. Um, late night with Seth Meyers won best talk show. I don't know if anybody watches that. I know I don't. I watch the clips on YouTube. Just clips. Just clips. Um. So biggest thing for best original screenplay, it went to Fennel for Promising Young Woman and not for the Chicago 7, which yeah. is a surprise because I thought Aaron Sorkin was going to wrap all these things up. Because <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. But I'm happy that Emerald won because that was a good thing. Um, and already won makeup yeah. and hair and I guess costuming. The biggest thing. And of course, No Man Land still on its road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's winning the Oscars. It's winning the Oscars. That's going to win Vex Picture. Um, and while we're on the topic of Chloe Zhao, after that big win mm-hmm. last night, um, you know, we're hot off the heels of, you know, WandaVision. Um, got, you know, of course, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon coming out next. And it was kind of revealed like, Marvel did adjust the shows that did edit on the fly based on the reaction from social media, which I think is a cool concept to a degree. You know, like you're able to like throw twists in there once people you see people start you know, picking it, it shows that you're actually aware of your engagement with your show. But not just that, but Chloe's out, you know, at, with this amazing one she's on with No Man Land. She's um set to replace John Watts to direct um the Fantastic Four. So yeah, on her role. Oh, big things for her. She already made the Eternal. Yeah. So that's yeah, she's doing good. I'm really proud of her. She's really like a really cool person. Um, but um, okay, last one of the last things. Carrie Mulligan wins Best Actress for Promising Young Woman, which is what I was thinking was gonna happen. Yeah. Um, we'll see how this shakes out in the SAG award. Yeah. SAG Awards and then the BAFTA nominations that are coming out like this week or something. I'm really interested to see if she will win the Oscar for it or if they'll pull like a, I don't know, switcheroo and someone else gets I mean, Yeah. Uh, they are, the BAFTAs are April, so we'll see how that turns out. And I do think the nominations start. Um, 
I want to say this. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's this week. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're announced this week. They're announced tomorrow. So while you listen to this podcast, oh, you will see the BAFTA, BAFTA nominees tomorrow. Oh, I got. <laughs> this has been a long, long show for us, and I know for you guys, a lot of stuff happened this week. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of stuff is continue going to happen this coming weekend. But yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Hail, au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>